This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is the Colorado Hunting Hub Podcast, where we cover hunting in the West, but mostly hunting in the destination state of Colorado. You'll find information that will help you plan, prepare, and motivate you for your hunt, but also keep you updated on happenings in the Western hunting world. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Holy smokes, it's been a while. I haven't recorded an episode in almost three weeks now, and I apologize for that. I was going from three episodes to two episodes to one episode. Looked like I quit down to uh back to one this week so apologize for that and thanks thanks for sticking with me it's been a busy last three weeks and as it should be i've even listened to a lot less podcasts myself uh and uh hopefully you have too because you've been in the field or if you haven't you're just getting jacked up for your seasons that are coming so i apologize should have had a few more things in the works there for you but I didn't, and that's the way it is. So, uh, had a m- almost a month of season already for myself in archery, and so this episode I just wanted to go through a little season review, lessons learned, stories told, and just a, a recap of where we're at, where we're headed. So it's funny how you get into beginning of archery season, and the question across social media is, are they talking? And then you hit about this time of year, end of September, October, and you start seeing the questions. Not even a full question. All you see is a, on social media is a comment that says, high or low? And wanting to know that. Both questions just make me laugh. And I think they're almost a little ridiculous. Because the elk are going to be where they want to be. I was talking to a buddy about this the other day, and, and that's exactly where they are. They are where they want to be. They Are they talking? Somewhere they are. 
And it's just a matter of, are you finding the ones that want to be vocal? So that all depends on the pressure, depends on different herd dynamics uh, and kind of what, what's going on with the, with the herd. But September 2nd, as the season opens, I was on elk that were talking. I found them by them bugling. And I've seen that through trail camera pictures days before the season opens. There are elk talking. He just has to find the ones that are or go hunt the quiet ones. Somewhere they are talking and they will respond. I don't think it's it's uh, bodes well for you to go through the beginning of the season just not calling. And we found and one lesson learned throughout this season already is sometimes a, a simple locate bugle that doesn't sound like a screaming little girl like I, I heard and watched another hunter do that was trespassing, but it's all good. Uh, I thought it was like a bobcat at first. It was horrible. Maybe then, but even then, there's this big old seven-point bull that was within earshot of where that guy was screaming, and we were watching him. He didn't care. So some of the times, yes, they're going to hear that big bugle, and they're going to take their cows and run. But a little simple distant uh, locate bugle, I think is generally safe. Now, let me know where I'm wrong and send me some comments, questions, concerns, whatever, stories. Love to hear them and share them so we can have more of that data collection on what you've seen out in the field. So, yeah, they're talking. And then rifle season is getting close, and they folks start asking, are they high or are they low? Again, they're going to be where they want to be. I've been on elk on the Colorado River in August, when the season was in August, uh, September, and they're down as low as almost you can get. And then when I was goat hunting last year, seeing elk at 12,500 feet. So they're going to be anywhere in between or maybe a little higher. So they're there. You just have to find them. So I don't know if that's necessarily the question uh, to be asking, but more so what what terrain and topography can you find them in? Uh, even in some of that lower stuff that seems to be hot, high desert, that sort of thing, they're just going to be more so on those north-facing slopes and into the, tucked into the little timber. Because even in those areas, there's plenty of good cool areas there's still water I, I was able to find plenty of water even a drought year uh there was water and we had creek flowing and, and all kinds of things even in this high desert so find that water um find those little pieces of habitat that they need to go bed in and you're gonna find the elk if you're hunting one of those spots that's long i-70 or uh buddy was driving kevlar pass and seeing truck after truck after truck even a wall tent right off i-70 if that was you let us know how you did it's kind of crazy hearing about all the high country hunters we don't that could be a mix of deer and elk hunters but crazy number of hunters if you're parked at a trailhead with four vehicles and you're going in a mile and calling sure you're gonna have uh, maybe some more silent elk, and and that might pose a different scenario. But those elk probably just aren't going to be talking as much. So pressure, weather, all those factors come into play. 
So what I saw throughout my season is I was out the first day and a half and got on five different bulls, had five encounters right away within that that day and a half. Should have pulled the trigger on something and I'd be off chasing bears already. A couple mistakes, a couple little things, and I'll get into those. And then the weather came in. We had hot, hot weather, hunting in 90-degree weather. And then more weather came in, and we dropped down to 20-some degrees and 14 inches of snow. So let's do that heat through the storm. They didn't make a peep. And so... Yes, weather and some other and some other factors come into play during that, but I was getting on more elk during a full moon early early season, the first day of the season, and it's just because they were unpressured elk. I knew where they were. They had what they wanted, and it was just a well-scouted out area. So, if you're not finding elk, go find them <laughs> in in one spot, leave that area and go find another one. Somewhere you can find those elk. So that was just one little thing that I learned. So a couple other season review and lessons learned is that uh, it seems like this year is a year for having a bear tag. seems like a lot of guys are killing bears. And I don't know if that's just because the $100 bear tag or just one of those years to find them. Uh, But that wouldn't have been a bad thing to have in my pocket this year as well. I just really didn't want to pack one out on my backcountry hunt and just focus on the elk. It's a week left of bear season, September bear season. Is that crazy for me to go buy a tag and hunt the last weekend? Because there's leftovers on the list uh, in my area. So debating it and thinking about it because I, I like bear hunting so much. But the backcountry hunt, it was fun. Did seven total days, uh, went in day and a half and came out due to a little tech error. Even though I was super prepared, I missed one little thing, uh, just a phone issue and call me weak, but I really needed to be in contact with my, with my wife and my family at home. So little solar charger wimped out on me and didn't have have that as an option to charge up my phone and also i use that for onyx so i i actually had lost my phone on day like three once we got back in and i lost it for a day chasing an elk i'll get to that that's a good story but before we get to that the uh food options i had they were good uh about two pounds a day with a little extra if it were colder, I probably would have went through a little bit more coffee, a little bit more of that. Probably should have packed a little bit more wilderness athlete. I will not ever go into the woods without that ever. And I even take a little energy and focus and hydrate and cover just in the middle of the afternoon some days just when I need a little pick-me-up. So the food options were good. So here's a couple little things that I had that will go on every trip. My uh, when I coach wrestling, my wrestlers really liked their tortillas and peanut butter smeared on it. And they'd eat that, and I just was like, "Oh, that's the cheapest, easiest thing. Whatever it makes you guys happy, awesome. That's what you want to eat. Good deal." Well, I finally broke down and did that, but threw in a little package of bacon bits, and then I found these little energy honey packets. And a whole bunch of bacon bits. Oh my gosh, I looked forward to that. That was a good 
good meal. It kept well. Uh, it was tasty. The peak refuel, we had a couple that were great, some mountain houses that were great. Be careful of the alpine dehydrated meals. There were some good, yeah, some not so good. There was a breakfast, a granola one that was really good. Uh, one of my favorite things were the little honey stingers, little waffle and honey stinger energy bites, uh, cliff energy blocks. Those were good. And then, of course, Little Debbie's. Can't go wrong with Little Debbie in the middle of the day. A oatmeal cream pie or a nutty bar. Gummy bears were an awesome little thing. Skittles, Snickers. Made a bunch of jerky at a time. That elk and I had some goose jerky that was awesome. As far as bars, I am so over cliff bars. I can't even handle it. Found Quest bars. Those are pretty good. Little bumblebee tuna boxes. It was wonderful. Also, another thing that really was good was uh just individualized packets of things the crackers with cheese or peanut butter or something like that but that was good dried fruit not crazy about the bananas but uh peaches and apples in a dehydrator were really nice didn't actually eat a ton of trail mix but had a little bit and lastly the first day or two i was able to bring a little thing of salami and some cheese and so that was a nice little addition the gum in my pack was wonderful, as well as the uh, uh, individualized packets of my pills for the day. Throwing in a glu- couple glucose or one glucosamine and a couple of leave really helped me get through that day because I noticed it when I got back. My knees were just destroyed. So a couple of little uh, food items there that really were beneficial to me. My energy was up almost it was the entire trip i didn't feel sluggish at all other than maybe just need a little afternoon nap here and there but it was it was a great great trip uh my buddy and i neither of us harvested but we learned a lot last thing on that gear on the backcountry trip is just to stay organized i individually packaged every single day and i wrote the day on the package so when i pulled that out of my bear bag uh that i hung in a tree day one, good deal, day two, day three, and so on. And uh, was able to wake up, drop that bear bag, get my food, throw up my pack, and everything was ready. I threw my pack on, um, I maybe made some coffee, ate some breakfast, and was out of camp pretty quick. So that was a pretty easy thing for us. Uh, the uh, weather that came in was a little bit more than we were could have been prepared for we were fine there's 14 inches of snow with backcountry lightweight gear now ba had sent me a big old tent good for a snow load which i'm appreciative of but i didn't bring it i brought the one pound lightweight option and uh, some of you warned me out there hey you're gonna get some snow i was like ah, i'll be fine yeah we were fine and at no time were we in a survival situation. I just had that little lean-to Onyx tarp, and I it collapsed when it got a snow load on it. But I just knocked it off, propped it back up, and I was good to go. It got down easily into the 20s. And my sleeping bag was 15 degrees, and I threw in that merino wool liner. That is money. I am always cold when I'm sleeping uh, in a tent, even in 50, 60 degree weather. But this, that merino wool liner saved my butt and it was comfortable, really, really comfortable. 
kept me warm and it was nice. On top of that, you add in just those little big scent towel, scent away, whatever they are, towels. Wipe down, do a little quick, easy bath, I guess you could say. Um, my wife's got a name for that, but I don't repeat it. Uh, <laughs> but you take a little wipe down bath. And that just helps get rid of that stickiness because you're going to stink. And that was really nice to just sleep just a little bit better. I had a couple times waking up where I forgot I was even hunting and it kind of felt like I was in bed at home, especially with the big Agnes pad, the ultra core that they sent me just super comfortable. Um, Cause I'm a side sleeper. And if you have issues sleeping in the woods or on the ground, get one of those pads. Cause it brings you up about three inches air filled, easy to fill without, you know, you're not using your hot air to fill that thing. And it's really easy and comfortable. So, um, uh, yeah, so the, the, the nights were great waking up, we'd, uh, get on some elk in the high country, high desert, not high country. I wasn't hunting high country, but the high desert kind of country that we were hunting, you really get in an early season, you get about three, three and a half hours of hunting in the morning. And then you get about three, three and a half hours in the evening before they go to bed or uh, before they get up or whatever they're doing. So you have to hang out for a good chunk of the afternoon. And that's when we do things like that, get our water, or we would uh, try and take a nap or look for my phone that I lost. So little things like that just go look at an area, get a plan for the, for the evening hunt and, or hike into a new little area, whatever it was. Some of that, that, uh, midday lull was a little longer in that high desert. So realize that you, you may not necessarily be hunting all day long. And if there wasn't water everywhere, I just would have went and sat on a water hole all day long, but water was literally everywhere. So that didn't really give me an advantage to uh finding where they're going to come to water i didn't have any wallows picked out uh not a bad option it's just we didn't do it and and maybe maybe we should have so uh my gear list i'll add it on here because seasons are just really getting rolling and unless you're a muzzleloader hunter or an archery hunter you're done or almost done uh another little trick thing that i learned uh was with your Onyx maps. Uh, still giving. I just emailed a guy to give uh, give one away. So if you want to register for that, click the link in my show notes. But I don't know how guys did this without Onyx maps and using that. I, I when I had lost my phone, I felt pretty naked for the day, and relying on my hunting partner to to help me figure out where we were, look at little train features and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a bummer. But the other thing that kind of got me was my offline maps were not working. And the reason why is because they were from last year, maybe even the year before. So emailed our, our buddy Dylan from Onyx and uh, who, who we did an episode with way back. And he said, delete them and just re-download them. It doesn't lose any of your data and your waypoints or any of that. But that's the key. You got to just delete, go through I'm going to now do that every season, go through and delete my maps, saves up some space because I may hunt one area one year and another, another year. So I'm going to delete, I deleted all my offline maps. Once I got home, downloaded the, 
large, the 100-mile low-resolution map, and then download my little small 5-mile area map. Gives me a large area in case I decide to do a Hail Mary and go somewhere weird. But then I have my detailed map for where I'm hunting. And then then that worked. And actually, Onyx sent out an email just a week ago about that exact thing. Make sure you check your offline maps. Make sure you delete the old ones and, and reinstall them. So make sure you're doing that. That's uh, It can be frustrating. And while we were out, it looked like they threw on the like 3D beta. Uh, I didn't get a chance to check that out. So I'm kind of curious what that's going to look like. Uh, because it, it'll be a, a neat feature. So yeah, the the backcountry hunt was good. Uh, first day and a half, those elk were bugling, and I got on them, but I was by myself. I was solo hunting, and it's tricky. Low pressure, lots of elk. Uh, they weren't going nuts, but they were gathering cows. First two days, I saw a big bull with a couple of cows, and, but her dynamics are getting figured out in there, and so it's it's not horrible to call something in but they're not coming in hot and heavy like the bull I just called in earlier this week they're coming in more so with uh an attitude of hey what's over there uh um, is that a female is that a cow i'm going to bring him into the herd to do some things like that so it's it's a little bit more mild a little bit more slow uh, maybe not as aggressive if it's a, a bull checking out or wanting to, to fight or run you off when it's that early, early season. We can still find that bull. There's still a couple that are getting after it. So I called in a couple, just got hung up, hung up in that 50 yards. I mean, they were out, they were in range, but they were, they didn't have a shot. I didn't have a shot. I'm hunting these little aspen groves. It gets real thick in there. And sometimes it's almost like you got to call them into five yards or less to get a shot, to get through that thick stuff. So that was the first lesson learned. Try and figure out how to set up some lanes, get into an area the appropriate way so that you can actually shoot out to 20 or more. Because to get a bull within five yards of you, man, I think those big bulls are just too smart for that a lot of the time. Still happens, but... Uh, I, I heard plenty of really, really close glunking and breathing early on, and uh, it just, they knew something was up, so that was tricky. With the time I lost my phone, I had a had a bull going, and I don't know, don't put your phone in your back pocket. <laughs> I had that thing in there and trying to kick, and I was on my, on my knees, kind of kicking the ground, making some noise, and raking trees, and just just making a little little elk noise, and at that point, I'd kick my phone out. Got up to about where that elk was gonna present me a shot, and and never did. But looked down, oh crap, where's my phone? And I said, oh, forget it. I'm gonna just keep on going. I need to. I'm not gonna stop hunting this elk just because I lost my phone. So it took me a day, day and a half, and then I found it thankfully because it was at the beginning of the hunt. Uh, we also noticed that that the cow calls work great just like i i said at the beginning here bugles were great to locate and then once we got into the season a little bit more um, getting those bulls a little fired up i did that a little bit more last year with with bugling in because of the timing of when i was there and when i was out and i was able whenever i was able to get in that 100 yards and really get a, a bull agitated, that's when I felt bugles were more effective for me. 
So two scenarios when I'm going to bugle. One, I just want to find out where you are. Two, I'm within your zone and I want to get you amped up. So that seems to be my techniques that I'm using. I'd uh, love to hear from you guys what's working for you guys as far as when you choose to bugle and when you choose not to. Uh, but cow calls have been, I use them more than previous years this year and really was not afraid of of going nuts sometimes. I had a reed call, a Phelps external call, and then my little Primos hyperlip that I use. And all of them give a different sound, use them in different different uh, times, so it sounded like I had a good herd. However, when you call with your in range of an elk and you just don't have that shot and you cow call, that elk is expecting you to, to be there. And if he's looking and can't find a cow or anything like that, they freeze up. And that's what happened to me a lot. So trying to figure out how exactly to get past that and deal with those, uh, those bulls that hung up right in there because they didn't see you. And so a lot of you are thinking, well, decoy, we had decoy and it's great. And I tried it, but I probably just maybe had the wrong decoy, a little Montana decoy. I've got a, uh, just one of the broadside cows, but dealing with that and your bow and trying to get it through the thick stuff all by yourself, it's just such a pain. It'd be so much better if I had a guy behind me calling and he had the decoy so that they could focus on, but that wasn't the scenario. Heard, uh, uh seen a couple of comments when I, put something out there on some different types of decoys. And I see guys with ones that'll attach to their bow might not be a bad option or just something smaller and easy to work with. Uh, even that little heads up elk decoy is just a head. I could have used that once and then left it a couple hundred yards back. Big mistake. Uh, so next time that's coming with. Some of the, the other difficulty with getting a shot was that darn wind and trying to figure that out. Don't underestimate that wind, even the slightest of swirl and they got you pinned and they're gone. So, uh, I don't know. I've never thought of, uh, that it really mattered putting a little elk urine on just because it's day three. I smell like a nasty foot. (laughs) Uh, and that's already evident. So, and they're going to smell you through that, but just maybe, maybe there's one little thing that could help and spraying a little elk urine on you might give them just a, another sense of opportunity, pull one of them littler ones in. Uh, and if they're that wind shifts for just a second to maybe that could mask it enough. I could be completely wrong, but it doesn't hurt. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue that. And I did that later into the season here, picked up a little elk urine and, and, uh, it worked out for us. So the, uh, end of the season here turned out to, to work out just fine. Ended up coming out of our backcountry hunt and finally got my hunting partner here. I had a, a buddy in the backcountry. Yeah, but we as soon as that weather hit, it shut off for the, the entire time he was in the field. So it was a bummer for both of us. We had a great time, saw lots of bears, uh, saw some good deer, but it just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards for us to, to get one together. So he and I will hit it again another day and we had a great time. So I'm glad, uh, glad we got to share that time in the woods and, and, uh, see some different awesome things and experience some weather that got 
my truck stuck out there for uh, about a week before it dried up and I was able to drive it out. So uh, we gave muzzleloader season a break, went back to work, had to get some things done. Uh, and then realized maybe, maybe I should have not gone opening weekend, avoided some of that weather and hit it right before the muzzleloader season hits. I think that again is my favorite time or even during muzzleloader, if you can avoid the orange army. But the other, the other issue is that we've had is hunting those private edges sometimes results in seeing big bulls just looking at them and because they're across the private and that's the way it is can't can't really work them and do what you want with them had that happen over and over and over again but again that's the the disadvantage of hunting private edges so uh season turned around and before we get to that let me just do my little ads in here Uh, i just want to thank the listeners because uh, you guys have really ramped up my stats and I appreciate that. Hopefully you stuck with me, even though I haven't put anything out for a little while. If you're listening on YouTube, I so I sincerely apologize. Uh, I've got some big things coming as just outside of the podcast. That's going to prevent me from really doing some changes and modifications to my podcast, but the time that I want to into it, but uh, I'm in this for the long haul and will continue my podcast for years down the road. And that's my plan. So I will, I will work on some things I need. And if any of you have some mad editing skills, please let me know. I'd love to bring you on and we'll look at uh, new intro, new exit. So I'm not getting copyright issues with YouTube and whatever else. So we'll uh, figure that out. We'll get some additions. I, I just want to get some content back out there. That's my goal for the rest of the hunting season. And we'll revamp for the new year. Make sure uh, you check out, past episodes there's there's a lot out there that may be a little out of order because and relevant for you as the season hits you got to just hit some of those good good things like the onyx how to use that and all the features there's good stuff there thanks branded bills again uh hunting hub 20 coupon code there and then the ways you can help me is give me a good rating like subscribe whatever on whatever platform you listen to and again contact me give me some input give me some stories uh if you want to share your story share what you've uh you've done i know i had a message from a dude that won the won the onyx membership he shot his first bull and he said onyx helped so that was super cool and rewarding for me to to know that i was able to mildly help in that scenario also Last thing you can do, sell me some antlers or buy some mounts from me or antlers or whatever. I got, I've got a big stockpile of some things and that business has been rolling nicely. So moving on later into the season, uh, September 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th found a monster bull. Of course I'm private. And on a little piece of property I'm allowed to hunt on, I didn't realize it's it's private as well, uh, but it worked out. And there's uh, that big bull, and he's got 60 cows plus over a week 
time. We saw about nine different bulls of satellites in that group. So there was some opportunity. Again, battled some wind issue, battled some uh, solo hunting problems of decoys and all that sort of thing and trying to get set up and not have another guy to make decisions with or uh, figuring out where they all of a sudden the elk are just there, that sort of thing. Uh, So that, that got me until the 21st. So we had these elk figured out. They're coming off a field down into a drainage and then they'd get they drink their water down in there and then get up into some trees and bed just a little off like four five six hundred yards off of where i can hunt so that's a long ways to call a bull but especially a herd bull that guy he knows his plan and he wasn't coming tried to irritate him over and over and over again it just why would he move 60 cows to come to three four cows over there it's just he you could see him looking like a cutting horse in a field running them cows back and forth and back and forth he was he was having his hands full just just with his cows so we had multiple temps in there to try and figure those out and what finally worked was not cow calling while they're in the field at a thousand plus yards and getting their attention but instead when they started moving and they were getting within earshot a good four, 300 yards. That's when we started calling. And I went nuts on that call. Sounded like, like uh, multiple cows. And that's when we were able to peel off some of them satellite bulls. Had that work a couple of times. Failed at my positioning in there twice. But just on the 21st, was able to callable over we had already set up three montana decoys up into a little sage flat where they we know they could see them from the field edge and if they got within about 300 yards 200 yards something like that we know they would see them and they'd come on a string to it so as long as we were set up with the wind good and they could see them and they could we could call at them and he could hear us it was going to happen and that's exactly what what happened. We had a little guy, little five by five bull, came in a little screechy at times, but otherwise his bugle sounded pretty good. So he he came in hot and and jumped the fence. Was at ninety yards when we first see see him, and he makes his way through the trees. Ninety. Got my buddy on his binoculars with a rangefinder hitting him so i know the the distance and that's that was a big thing that uh for me if i know the yardage i'm gonna nail it but when it's a guessing game for me of 15 20 yards somewhere in there that seems to be where i make my mistakes so 90 80 70 he's broadside walking straight for the cows the wind is in her face it is money and he stops and lets out a big bugle and he's still at 70 ish Makes takes another few steps. He's at 60. He stops. I draw back and he's kind of looking at us like there's something there, but not that crazy alert look. So I just knew I had time. My bow was already raised, just not drawn back. And as he's looking, I, I was drawing, but it was at 60 and we're in the shadows. And he's just kind of looking in our general direction, still thinking about those cows. So I drew, settled in, had plenty of time squeeze that trigger and just 
nailed it. Perfect right behind that shoulder, uh, midway, mid-body. It didn't even hit a, a, a rib, so it passed straight through all lung, stuck into a sagebrush in the back, and he kind of trotted off about 40 yards, and you can see as he's hit the trees and out of, out of sight, he was hurting. So he went another... 75 yards or so after that and tipped over and the uh the blood trail to start was a little weak and that's where i struggle sometimes with my g5 broadheads they're the montex they're solid and i've killed a lot with them sometimes i don't get the best blood trail uh we we eventually found it found a good blood trail where he was spraying because uh, it was just lung, and and he was trying to breathe out that hole in his chest, so it it uh, eventually had some good blood. But if we were, had struggled to know what direction he went in, that could have been problematic, and we would have been searching just a little bit longer. At the spot where he expired, there was plenty of blood, plenty of blood. So that was a uh, uh, pretty quick, clean, perfect shot, double lunged just above the heart. I was pleased. So that was my first bull with my bow that I've been able to recover. Uh, I had one other, another year that I wasn't able to recover, but we found him and that was just, uh, uh, that was a highlight. He's a small bull, but I am super proud. It worked hard for him. And, and at this point in the season, it's anything goes, I'll take any legal bull. So that was a a great, great season to the archery year and uh, to my archery season and looking forward to the next stuff coming up. Things that are are rolling is is the rifle season here pretty soon. So time to switch gears and uh, looking into rifle seasons, antelope deer got multiple deer season i got another archery deer season and then all the late seasons i got going on with cow and and doe tags so uh still lots of season to go the uh i think probably the hard one (laughs) the archery season i think that one's about over i hope that's the hard one uh archery deer one won't be necessarily cake either but it's a it's a good time but for the rest of the my next 10 episodes or so in episode 46 this is episode 47 uh i've got a good lineup got a legislator that's going to come on and perry will we're going to chat with him uh, he was a regional supervisor for Colorado parks and wildlife now a state legislator uh, i've got a old teacher mentor friend that we bring and talk about the foodie part of hunting and some homesteading skills and some of those things that that are important to her as uh, I know she's a hunter, but primarily just focuses on the food aspect. So I want to talk about that. Next, I want to look at some family-friendly hunts. We'll look at over-the-counter rifle seasons. Colorado Trapping Association, we can get them on here. Uh, got uh, a guide or two we need to bring on. want to look into the search and rescue fee that we pay on, on – uh, our license because that may or may not mean what you think it does i've learned something recently and then our i hunt colorado folks our admin gotta get them on here 
<laughs> trying and trying to get uh, some of them to come on and tell us some stories and, and some different things. But it looks some R3 content. Got a buddy that's going to help us out with some some rifle season stuff. Then starting the hunt plan for 2021. Uh, another one on non-natives, looking at horses, mountain goats, that sort of thing, if I can find the right dude. Then, uh, believe it or not, going to do a little episode on wolves right for November. So don't hate me, but I'm going to do it. And I haven't forgotten the traditional route. One of these days, I'm going to pull the pull the trigger and just get that bow ordered. Uh, but it's uh, it's still on my mind. I'm going to try that traditional route some point. So thanks for the the sticking with me and the break that I had. I will get back on my horse and get rolling with some more episodes and put some more content out there. So I appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, send me your stories, send me some of your content. Let me know if you want to jump on a, on a call with me and we'll record it. I want to, or if you have some special thing that you're good at, look at that squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, whatever it is coming up uh, that you want to talk about and get us excited for, there's plenty of other ways to enjoy the the outdoors and just elk hunting. There's there's duck hunting coming up and some bird hunting and all different things. So love to chat with those folks if that's you. Until next time, thanks for listening. I appreciate you. But it ain't my ground. This is God's country.